Hey, you're just starting the Trek Off podcast now, so it's a good time for you to subscribe to a new podcast, too. The Totally Super Podcast is me and my good friend Arthur reviewing every single superhero movie ever made. That's right. It's called Totally Super. It's put out by Geeks Radio. It's like Trek Off, but for superhero movies. Maybe not quite so dirty, but... It's still fun. So check out Totally Super. Search for it right now. Whatever you're listening on right now, whatever you found Trek Off on, just use that to find Totally Super and subscribe. Okay, enjoy Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. So if we sound a little bit different right now, we are we are in a different recording setup right now because we are going to have a guest. Uh, Yay, today. guest! Uh, um, before we do, um, I want to uh, tell you that we uh, have huge things coming. Uh, we're finally going to get to hear about Avengers Endgame. You're finally going to get to hear me talk about the Orville. Um, we're going to have lots what? more talk about the Mandalorian. <laughs> we're only two weeks from today is when the new Star Wars movie comes out. There's tons of new Star Trek news that we haven't even been talking about, including the Captain Giorgio uh, show. Looks like it's a go, and other Sweet. things coming from uh, you know Picard. Picard starts in um, in like a month and four days. Our month in like you know, fourteen days, so six weeks from now is when Picard starts. Close, man. Ooh. Um, uh, I have seen um more short treks. Uh, there there's animated short treks out there now. There's a ton of stuff for us to talk about. Um, that we haven't. Uh, but I uh, I want to say uh, right up front that uh, the Orville was better than I expected. While we wait for our guests to show up, I do I do want to say that the Orville was spectacular, and I absolutely get what you were saying. How was Endgame? <laughs> oh that's yeah, much, that's a much longer situation. First, maybe we should give them a little peek behind the curtain, shall we? <laughs> shall a we talk peek about behind the curtain? <laughs> yeah, where sure, um, for, for two years I was asking you to watch a episode of or a specific episode of Orville, and so I I had to blackmail him with watching Endgame until I was like, I won't watch it until I have confirmation that you have watched uh, that episode. I, I want to be very specific. You said <laughs> if you if you watch it, then I will immediately right. watch Endgame. But so you didn't talk about it I didn't get podcast. anything back from you. You said, okay, I'm thinking about watching it right now. If you send me the info like right away, I'll watch it. I was like, cool. But then you didn't say watched. anything back like I watched it. That was crazy. It was much better than I thought it would be. Like if you had done that, I'd be like, all right, I know he watched it. You didn't confirm for me until today. I was like, I don't I don't know. What if he fell asleep? Yeah, and he's I was like, impressed. I watched enough. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. So I will. Have I was impressed. To I was impressed by it. I thought it was. Uh, it's good. It was a. It was an. A, it was an effective piece of satire. It was yeah. a very effective piece of satire. And it was an effective, like, um, you know, talk about what's going on in society, like what Star Trek does. You know, taking a look at what's happening in our society and and sort of weighing the, the good and the bad about it and starting a conversation like it absolutely does that um, i did see one other thing that i can recommend actually after you watch endgame um and you're <laughs> gonna have to pay like eight bucks to see it but it's worth it uh there's a documentary called uh called what we leave behind which is documentary about deep space nine and wow. about the making of deep space nine but part like a half of the documentary is they get all of the writers together from Deep Space Nine for one long afternoon into the evening and plot out 
what the first episode of season eight would be if they were suddenly gifted all the money they needed to make a season eight um and it would be set today so it would be you know what happens at the end of ds9 happen in case any of you are in the middle of your first watch of it what happens at the end of ds9 happens uh specifically regarding cisco we are now we are now however many years it's been since the end of d space coming up in 20 years right Mm. and uh and we are we like coming up in 20 years at the end of ds9 and suddenly it's 20 years later and we're premiering a show and you can break the rules it can be set up like a netflix show or an hbo show now it doesn't have to be like it was before but what would we do if we were allowed a season eight ds9 what would the first episode look like where we're reintroduced to everybody it's a fascinating watch Mm. it's a fascinating watch um very emotional at times um, well, for you particularly, it's, uh, since it's your favorite. Well, well, a because it's my favorite, but also I would say B because I'm so interested in you know behind the scenes Hollywood documentaries. I like. Oh, me I, too. Like, like I watch. Um, if you're into that, um, there's a there's a series on Netflix, uh, the movies we love. I have finished watching. Oh it. yeah, it's it's probably it's the same people who made the the toys that made us, right? Yes, or maybe it's yeah. called the movies we, that made us. I think that might be what it's actually called, but it's fucking. Yeah, I, um, see that I mean, dude. Like Dirty Dancing, like every single studio said no to that movie. Every single one. And that shit was like in the box office for 19 weeks or something silly. Yeah. Number one um, in the box office for like 19 weeks. Like it's insanity. But because yeah, it was no, a I, girl, I've heard about it was that. a girl strip, the girl script, like they were like, no, nah, uh-uh, a bunch, of, a bunch yeah. of these old. And that just, and something I, I really took away from watching all of them was Um, I think really beneficial to any person who is in film in any capacity. And it is this, Uh, no matter who you are, I don't care what kind of muckety muck you can still make mistakes. Like you're not just because you're some big wig, you know, who's a, what's it that made some, you know, two or three or five great films. Um, Like, I think this explains George Lucas, you know, just because he made the original star Wars, like that doesn't mean boom, everything he does is right. Everything he does is unquestionable. Like a bunch of people that were big deals made bad decisions. And it's like, how did you feel losing out on the money for that? You know, like they didn't want to make home alone because they needed 2 million more dollars. They said, no. Uh, And so they missed out on all the money that home alone made over $2 million. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. I so. It's, I've been thinking about. Oh, yeah, it was half, regarding it was less this. Than that was like 1.5, something stupid. <laughs> regarding something like this, um, there's a big push right now regarding the last, the, the Justice League movie called uh, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. The idea that, you know, we talked about it when it happened that uh, the Zack Snyder was fired um, or quit. His, he had a death in the family and then he quit making Watchmen or not Watchmen, quit making uh, uh, Justice League. Um, some people thought that he was fired from making Justice League because of the reception to Batman v Superman and stuff. It's a it's a really interesting thing. Um, but uh, um, that is it for our little conversation. Uh, we have a wonderful guest coming. Uh, but uh, for now, that is uh, that is the short view of Trek Off. More to come next week. But now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, fresh uh, fresh from the presses, uh, <laughs> we have. Um, he's just arrived uh, into the Trekoff War Zone. God help you, sir. Um, uh, I, 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 I have to say that um, our job is to make sure that you fire your publicist before the evening is done. Uh, oh, God. 
He is um, not. It's not serious. I'm kidding. This poor guy doesn't know us at all. And you're like, <laughs> our goal you... is to fuck your life up. <laughs> like right, right before Christmas, too. Could you imagine? Like, what if like the, we 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 go like, we crack that little joke at the beginning about him firing his publicist? Oh, then the interview went really really well. I wonder what happened, and we find out that he did fire her. And we're like, oh no, <laughs> no no no, we were kidding. No, Guys, that wasn't we were kidding. <laughs> we didn't mean it. <laughs> Um, there's been an uh, incident our, our 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 guest today is uh the author of more than 30 books for uh adults and kids including uh uh bob ross and peapod the squirrel the rick and morty book of gadgets and, and inventions uh all these things that sort of tap into uh pop culture i'm going to talk before uh we're done about pink is for boys which looks really interesting um uh, uh, and uh, has been a part of the Star Trek uh, universe out there. If you find um, these Star Trek books that look like they're for kids, but maybe they're kind of for everybody, you very good chance you're going to see this gentleman's name on it. Um, his new book is Star Trek Body by Starfleet, which is wonderful and weird and a little bit messed up. Um, I love the name and, so much, too. It's and, so perfect. Um, if you if you, if you get a chance to go on YouTube and watch the trailer for this book, it's astounding. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Of <laughs> um, uh, this is a uh, Mr. Rob Perlman. Thank you. Welcome to Trek Off. Welcome Rob. to Trek Off, Rob. Hi. Thanks for having me. What a welcome, my God. <laughs> we do um, what we can. <laughs> yeah. We're so excited I mean, to have you. <laughs> Feel free to list all of my books. I'll I'll just sit here quietly while you go through all of them. <laughs> that was that's what we're going to do, Rob. If you could just shut up for a minute, we're going to list your books. Then we get to the end of the podcast. We just want you to say oh. thank you, and then we'll hang up. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are terrible interviewers. <laughs> I'm not sure what I needed to be there for. I, know. I could have just sent them like a wave file saying hi. Um, yeah. Rob, give me, Although if, uh, I, if I do go if I do go quiet for a little bit, I'm just on the other line, really firing my publicist. Oh no! Oh, no! That would be terrible. No, and no, <laughs> we didn't mean it, Rob. <laughs> it's the holidays. You're screwed. You're, you're no, like you're I, like I, Alex Cross. Um, <laughs> so here's uh, here's here's what uh, I want to start with. Where I, I saw I saw that you um, that you. Graduated from Pace and and you have a degree in publishing, but I'm going to go further back. Uh, tell oh, us God. where you're from, and and when you decided that what you're going to do was right. When where did that start? Give us give us the 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 Frank Capra version of of of, of little <laughs> little Rob little little, little Rob um, and and how he ended up uh, deciding what I want to do because they say that you don't want to write you need to write you want to do anything else but you have to write is what they say so I want to know how how did you discover that that is what you had to do well in the Frank Capra version everything was in black and white and World War II had just ended. <laughs> always lovely yeah um but in the but in the reboot <laughs> it was in, it was in full color lovely. Uh, in in good old brooklyn new york oh. um and i was a huge reader as a kid the the local library near my house which was probably maybe five or six blocks away but seemed like an eternity with my tiny little legs um i remember going there with my mom over the summer and this was probably before kindergarten started and going not toward the picture books or the board books, but going toward like the Hardy boys books. 
Nice. Um, and I, I have a distinct, very clear memory of taking out Hardy Boys number one and with my mom and the librarian right next to me and trying to read the first line. And the first line had motorcycle in it. And I couldn't mm. read motorcycle because I was five or I don't know how old I was. <laughs> yeah, like four or five. old you are before. Can, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the librarian who was very kind said, well, maybe we should start with these other books. Um, and that was, that was my introduction to just stacks and stacks and stacks of picture books. Um, which we had at home too, but I, I could go to the library and then just take them and then give them back, but then take them again. And it just hope it opened up a, an entirely new world for me. I, I, I've always been an indoorsy sort of fellow. Um, so going out and playing with a ball or stuff never really appealed to me, but sitting quietly in the air conditioning on a couch reading, uh, <laughs> that was my jam. Right. And I could do that all the time. Um, and then the one of the best birthday gifts I ever got was um, an electric typewriter. Oh, wow. Which was huge and this weird beige color. Um, and it, my, uh, my family had given it to me. And I remember plugging it in and feeling it vibrate under my fingers. And I was like, ooh, this is exciting. <laughs> Fancy. Um, because now I could, now as long as I've got paper, <laughs> I can do anything I want. Um, How old are you at this point? Start of it. I think I was 10, 10 or 11, maybe. Oh my Dude, gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, so is that was, is that, did pages come forth from said typewriter and, and, and were, was there the beginning of, of, of worlds being built on paper at that point? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I remember that night I had written a, a little story or, or something and given it to um, my great aunt, um, who was, who was wonderful and, and sort of a, a powerhouse. And um, she was, kind of scary to a lot of people in the family but never to me i i don't quite know why and i gave it to her and i remember she found a red pen somewhere and marked it up like she edited my first story what yeah <laughs> that's, that's amazing um that's a, and it was, it, a, it was a very humbling experience but it really prepared me for working with editors well yeah no that's <laughs> great i love adults that don't um i think it's valuable like that don't just treat kids like kids like they treat them like little people like they're just people yeah and that's yeah. what she did, and it was beneficial for you. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, do, it devastated me at the moment, but yeah, <laughs> no. I see. <laughs> but to you would you not have been as of... good a writer if she had just gone, "Oh, honey, this right. is the best exactly. thing I ever read." Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, to give you an idea of what a of, of what a little shithead I was, right around the same age, my stepfather wrote me a, a, a long letter at one point about everything I had done wrong. Um, uh, in the past, like two days, we got into a big drag out fight and like your aunt, I made no response to it except to go over it with a red pen and correct all of his grammatical mistakes, oh. which, which it turns out wasn't a really good idea because no. the power differential was not the same as the one. That you no, it was not. Yeah. Ooh. This Ooh, is why man. Rob smart, Justin, not. Yeah, hey, I love you, Justin. Also, you know, I love and you. And also right. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so take us from, so now you've got your typewriter, you, you, you've gone into middle school, gone through middle school, high schools, they say where they say you really kind of find yourself. Where are you between ninth and 12th grade? Now you, 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 you were reaching the end and I, I'm going to assume the end of the story is you're into high school and you kind of going, okay, I'm now going to go to college for writing, but what was the high school career? Um, and just give, give us a, if I had met you, if I had been in high school and I met you in high school, what would I have found? 
Oh my God. I mean, you probably have to ask the people I went to school with, but I was this. And we have them here. Oh God. (laughs) We just so happened to have found them all. Oh man. Is this, this is your life. I know. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Um, Yeah, please. I was kind of a a drama kid. Um, Oh, me too. You know, I was, yeah, I, I, I loved being in sing. I was always sort of the, the, um, supporting characters and I really liked getting the laugh. Um, I also couldn't really carry a tune very much, so I was never going to get the lead, um, which I was okay with. And then my senior year, I was relegated to the chorus and that killed me because nobody wrote a part for me. It hurts, right? And I was like, huh, sometimes you have to write the parts for yourself. It really hurt. It really hurt. I feel Um, you, man. I was was that same person. Like, Justin doesn't feel us because he can sing really well. Um, Well, Wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. Well, I'm happy for you. (laughs) No, it's... Okay, to, to to be fair, I was... I was high school good. I was high school good. I was I was good enough to get into the vocal music program at St. Mary's College of Maryland and bad enough to realize that I was probably the one who scraped in at the bottom and I was never, ever going to reach the people. So I was already in college deciding to be a voice major when I was like, I made a serious vocational error. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, uh, it's, it's, it's funny you should say um, uh, about... The, the feeling that you need to go write it for yourself. The, I love uh, that. This podcast, this podcast uh, which is part of Geeks Radio, which is a subsidiary of Endlight Entertainment, which is the, the company that I own, and we make films and podcasts. And it started, the entire company started on a viewing. I don't know if you're a Kevin Smith fan at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but his movie Clerks 2, if you've seen Clerks uh-huh. 2, um, the, it, cul- it culminates in a moment where the two main characters, um, unsatisfied with their life, are faced with the question, what would you do if you could do anything? To which the answer was, I would buy the quick stop and run it ourselves. And I was there with my best friend. Um, and he and I were both actors. And we had both uh, s- like flamed really brightly in the D.C. area. And we got all the roles for like three years. And then it kind of dried up. And we had spent like two years getting nothing. And we walked out of that, that movie saying, we're going to buy the quick stop. And buy the quick stop became an allegory for everything that we do from that point forward, which then eventually begat this podcast. That the idea of we're not going to sit and wait to be discovered. We are going to go create our own fate. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked out for both of us. I've been able to do what I want. He actually did go out to Hollywood eventually. And he is now, of all things, the voice of Donald Duck. Um, so wow. so I, I, get, I get that feeling, the idea of, of, of going, I need to go create my own milieu. But did you? I love that you had that and- thought, though, in, in high school. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Took me yeah, I was 30. I to... <laughs> right, it takes most people much later in their life to the like, fuck, I'm doing this all wrong. Like, good on I you. I also man. drink a lot. <laughs> well, whatever works, really. Right. Yeah. Did you? So did you, you start the intent? Sorry, did you start writing parts for yourself then? In that moment, was that? Well, I, it? I have to say, I was. I was really encouraged. I um, I started working in the English office uh, okay. in my sophomore year. Um, because I I was able to do junior high in two years, so I entered high school um, a little bit early. And you know, my first day in high school, I was like, I I'm not a sports guy. You know, where am I going to fit in? And I think it was my homeroom teacher said, Oh, if anyone wants to work in the English department, 
you know, they have like student intern helper bees. And I said, all right, well, that could be a thing. So I, I got there and I met um, the head of the English department, whose name is Jerry Tanklo, uh, who was very, very nice and, you know, encouraged me and said, okay, you'll be making copies and you'll be doing this and, you know, cataloging books. And I was like, all right, this is, this is what I'm going to do during lunchtime and during my free period. Um, it was also a way for me to sort of escape the, the mess that was going on in high school and the bullies mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. And I came home, uh, it, I guess it was the second day of high school. And I said to my mom, oh, I met this really nice teacher. His name is Mr. Tanklow. And he was going to give me a job in, in the English department. And she looked at me and she said, Jerry Tanklow? And I said, yeah. And it turns out Mr. Tanklow was my mother's teacher his first year of school. What? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Then, you know, fast forward however many years, I took his class his last year of teaching. Oh, wow. Um, which was amazing. And, and during my three years with him, he really encouraged me to write. And I had written this little play story thing um, about all of the English teachers, in it, which looking back on it now, I'm sure was just god awful and terrible. <laughs> um, but all of the teachers really, so sweet, we, just, we blended together and he, like during an open school night when he's now meeting my mom, his ex-student, he said, and I was standing right there. He was like, well, you know, you've got the next Neil Simon there. Oh, and that's okay. I was like, Gosh. what? <laughs> that's crazy. And then I real. So, of course, like immediately I started getting really into Neil Simon. (laughs) (laughs) I must find out all about this Neil Simon character. He then followed it by, if you're not as successful as Neil Simon, you failed. Exactly. Um, Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. um, So it was was that sort of encouragement to to really go for it. Um, And then I just sort of put that off of, you know, out of my head when I entered college because I thought, well, you can't make a writing, a living as a writer. Right. Um, Because everybody tells you that, don't they? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. They still tell me. I tell everybody that. (laughs) I know, because it's hard. It's not an easy thing to write, just like acting or, you know, directing or any of the arts, really, to like make a living at is not. It's it's really hard. I mean, I've got a full time job and I write. So, you know, each sort of informs the other. Wow. Yeah. Um, But, you know, all throughout college, I was a psych major and I was going to I was going to go into child psychology. Um, and then took a couple of internships and realized it was just too much for me. I was getting too emotionally attached and yeah, you know, the, the kids were just so precious and, and yeah. were breaking my heart. And I was like, Nope, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. I feel you, man. Cannot do this. Um, graduated, you-, you know, got a, got a job and, and then got into pace for, and got my master's in publishing. All right. So you graduated with a degree in psych. And then you got the job and then decided, I'm going to go back. I'm going to get my master's, but it's not going to be in psych. I'm going to go back, change. Like, that's a fork in the road at that point, right? That's the, okay, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go publish at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Why did you choose publishing over writing out of curiosity? Like, are they they different? Is there not a writing major? Or, like, I I don't know enough about that, so I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely get your MFA in in creative writing. but honestly, I didn't think I was good enough or talented enough to do it. Um, not being a, a creative writing major in college, I, I felt that I was at a little, little bit of a disadvantage. I was mm-hmm. also um, 
you know, I thought the business of publishing was really interesting too. Um, and I thought perhaps the business of publishing would give me a steady paycheck and insurance, mm. um, which is always a nice thing to have. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, in, I mean, honestly, I think you did like the smartest thing you could have done. Like I've always felt like the thing that I, I like I took acting classes like in, you know, college mm. and what I should have done was known more about the business side of things because like you have to in writing and acting and directing, whatever you're doing, like you've got to sell yourself. Like, so you really, yeah. the business part is the part you need to freaking learn. <laughs> like I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, good on you. Yeah, for re- I, Like how smart of you? You were like, you know what? What I want to do know, is right? check out the business side. Like you are. <laughs> box. Well, and I've, I've said the same thing to people who've gone in to be a general theater major at like a, you know, like a liberal, liberal arts college, like where I went, um, especially one that didn't require you to be a theater major in order to be on the main stage. Um, where I've said, if you were at a college where you don't have to be a theater major to be on a, on the main stage, then I would get your major in marketing yeah. and do and yeah. get your mm-hmm. get your your minor in acting because if you're not going to sew, if you're never going to like, I had to learn AutoCAD for my theater mate because I had to be able to design sets, which I was never going to do. <laughs> right? so there's, an enti- there's an entire year of college worth of classes that I took that have nothing to do with what I wanted to do. If I had spent that year taking marketing classes, I think that, you know, things might've happened more quickly than they did. I'm happy with how they mm-hmm. turned out, but they like, so I think that was you know probably very, very wise to go, you know, I could either, take go to college to learn how to write or i could go to college to learn how to exist in the world where the people decide whether or not i get to write is yeah. is actually kind of brilliant you are you yeah. are a brilliant man i, I must say boy genius. it's Thanks. such a young Thanks. ass boy genius indeed yeah what happened <laughs> yeah well, did you graduate know, like right? early too were you like 16 when you graduated college <laughs> and then uh, i was the youngest was... doctor and they called me doogie <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was 16 when I graduated high school. Wow. Uh, I was was, 17. So you're a little bit smarter than me. Yeah. And I was 24. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) 24. No, you're a lot smarter than me. You made a lot of decisions all along the way. (laughs) I always lie when I drink and I'm always drinking. (laughs) (laughs) You can't drink. So yeah, so you so you gra- you graduate with you graduate with your masters, um, yeah. and you go right into the world of publishing. Do you go to a magazine? Do you go to a, a um, newspaper? I what went, do you do? No, I I went right into book publishing. I you know I, wow. the, the program I went to at Pace was it was fantastic, and I'm, in fact I just had an alumni event a couple of nights ago where I was sort of mentoring the you know current students. So I felt super super old, um, uh, but they were so nothing young makes and you feel older than that, right? <laughs> yeah, I felt terrible. Talk about needing a drink after that. Um, but, but they were they were all wonderful. And, you know, one of the great things about that program in particular is it wasn't just one aspect of publishing. It was book publishing, magazine publishing, journal publishing. And then you learned about the the financial parts of it and production and marketing and editorial and all of the, the sort of ancillary things that help a publishing company to function as an actual company. Um, so in addition to knowing what I wanted to do, it was really helpful in knowing what I absolutely didn't want to do. Ah. Um, so yeah, which was great. Like I knew finance was not going to be for me. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I knew production was not for me because I, I could not figure out the transpositions of you know pages on a printing press. Um, but I really like the the marketing part of it. I like the selling part of it. I, I loved the editorial part of it. And 
one of my professors at the time um, was teaching a children's picture book class, which was my favorite class, probably. And I said, you know, I, I've got this full-time job. It's, I, I don't want to do it anymore. I should say I was working full-time and then going to grad school full-time at night. So I wasn't getting home until like 11 o'clock at night. Wow. And then having so when to you say, when you say like working full-time, what, what, what are you doing? What is your, what, what is your I working full-time? Like I was doing financial aid um, consultation for a small college in Manhattan. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's not exact. Yeah. yeah. That's the, I have to put food on the table, pay my rent job. Right. Yeah. Like that's- yeah. I mean, you know, admittedly and very luckily and, and um, I'm eternally grateful that I was still living at home with my folks. Oh, um, so that, that wasn't it, but I just needed to do something and I needed to contribute, you know, to, to the house and, well, good for um, you. you know, like too. a lot of kids might not have done that. Like I, I can say this. It's a, oh, yeah. The, the draw to be like, hey, I don't have to worry about that stuff is is strong, especially when you're younger and you can just do fun stuff. So good for you, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I it, it just seemed the right thing to do and the responsible thing to do. And my parents raised me like there's no reason you can't get a job for now that isn't going to be your life's career, but you've got to do something. Um, that embodies, so I, I feel it, like, the Starfleet ideals in a way. Totally. Like, yeah. you've got to, con- yeah. you're contributing in some way. Like, that's mm-hmm. just the way that society works. Like, that's why every time yeah. I try to explain the beauty of of the Star Trek universe, and, and they're like, but if there's no money, then how would people work? Why would they work? I was like, why do you assume the only reason that people work is to get this construct of money? Um, yeah. like they do it for fulfillment. Like if you take that, all that shit off the table, people still have desires to contribute. Like that's human yeah, like, so. and it works and you are proof, my so. friend proof. Oh, you see? <laughs> <laughs> I shall be using your story the next time I have to debate someone. <laughs> I'm a what was the, <laughs> what was, what was the first book that you got published? When, when, when did you, I mean, that's, that's gotta be a huge moment where like the, suddenly I can go into a bookstore and find one of your books. When, when was, what year was that? And what was the book? Oh my God. I'll have to look at my Amazon page for the actual year. I guess it was 90, 96 or 97. I think it was, um, it was a children's ready to read book called Raggedy Ann and Andy Leaf Dance. Oh. The very no, first I was, thing you published um, was a Raggedy Andy book. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was I was working at Simon and Schuster at the time. Oh wow. Uh, uh-huh. Doing 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 subsidiary rights, which is selling, um, it, it's doing stuff with the book that isn't just publishing a book. So I was selling TV and film rights and um, book club rights, like like Book of the Month Club. Do you remember that thing? Oh yeah. yeah. So I was having meetings with Book of the Month Club to show them what we were publishing. Um, and the oh, thing where you can take it, you know, and, and I didn't know that's how that and, worked. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's a whole department, but that's all they do. Wow. Um, I worked in, I worked in a great department. There was one person who worked with scholastic book clubs and book fairs. Um, another guy who did educational subsidiary rights. Um, a friend of mine was doing a lot of international rights. So, you know, she was getting books translated into oh, cool. you know, billions of different languages and, my my main focus was all the domestic stuff. Okay. Um, in addition to TV and film rights, I was doing serial rights, which is like getting books excerpted into magazines before publication and large print rights and special editions and merchandise, which was really fun. And I was see, really this is, fortunate. 
to be the brand manager for Raggedy Ann and Andy and Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. <gasps> the so, Hardy Boys? Yeah. So your very uh, first so book? It all, came, it all came full circle for me. Yeah. It was the really, way you really told really that cool. story, you should be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> You never put uh, a gun in the first scene unless you're going to use the gun in the leader. I know. Chekhov told Thank us. Thank you, Mr. Chekhov. Yeah. Let's see what I did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Chekhov. Um, uh, the, what, what we find, of course, like, we Dude, know that the, is so the... fascinating. That's stuff, like, I had no idea about. I've always, I mean, I'm sort of curious because I'm an, I am a voracious, avid reader, um, uh-huh. like yourself, uh, from a young age. Um where to the point where if people saw my mom talking to me uh, using the words she used, they would like kind of scold her. Like she's just a child. <laughs> Be like, uh-huh. You haven't met my child. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, that's awesome. That I, cause I've always been curious about all of that stuff. Cause it's like, how many books have I read where I'm like, Oh my God, this is so good. It should totally be a movie or a TV show. Like, why isn't it yet? And I yeah. didn't even know there was a whole department that like does that. How do you oh, make, yeah. can I just, I mean, this is totally off topic, I guess, in a way, but uh, can you just uh, give me kind of a nugget of what pushes that forward at any stage to the decision to make it into a book, the book into a movie or a TV show? Is it like you guys get contacted by somebody or did you like go out and try to get that done for books that you guys represented? It, it's a little bit of both. I was really lucky. I was working with a, it's called a sub agent out in California um, who has really direct access to studios and producers and stuff like that. So my job would be to look at our list of books that are coming out that year in the next you know, couple of years, and then work with the sub-agents to then pitch those books and ideas to movie studios and production companies and um, you know, sometimes celebrity people. Um, it, it was a great job because I would, I would just like, get to go on the Warner Brothers lot And have meetings with producers and be like, so here's what, you know, what books we're doing and what are you looking for? And, you know, if they were looking for a space opera, I'd be like, oh, well, we've got this book coming out. Um, And, you know, sometimes they they optioned things, even though they didn't necessarily have to make it. But um, it was always really, really exciting. I loved that part of it. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Like, how cool. It was great. I'm sorry. You you know. Well, I was I was gonna I was gonna jump from there and go. You you've you're you're in this really fascinating world, and that the the movie part is a world that that I understand um, because it's it's uh-huh. a world that I, I I've got to play in. But it's the publishing thing is so. I'm sure it seems to you know the the way that I originally I used to think that because I studied movies the way you studied books and the and the making of and but so by the time I made my first film. I had already kind of watched so many behind the scenes documentaries of how movies are made in the business of movies and, and read so much that it was demystified, but books still just seem like maybe I'll put it out on Kindle for free and then I'll get a million <laughs> downloads and then I'll have a million. I wrote a children's book, Rob. I have wow. a children's book on Amazon <laughs> and it has been, I, I, it has been read tens of times. Um, <laughs> hey, that's something. somewhere right (laughs) but but so so to hear you talk about like like here you are you're representing the hardy boys your very first book you're on the warner brothers lot you're doing all of this and and you go okay 
I'm going to write one. And it's going to be Raggedy Ann and Andy, which that I dragged up. That was what I was from when I was three for Halloween. There are pictures of me as Raggedy Ann. <laughs> so, so, so you finally like you, you go, I'm going to dip my, how does that happen? How do you make that transition of like, do you just raise your hand? Like being in the writer's room in Star Trek used to be, you go, Hey, I'd like to tackle this one. How, how does that come about? You know, it's a little bit different. I, I should also say, just going back to the movie thing for just one brief second. So now I'm on the other side of the equation. I, I'm I'm an associate publisher at a, a company in New York called Rexilli, where I make books based on sometimes other people's movies or TV shows or properties. Like so Body I by Starfleet, to, which you can find like anywhere books Starfleet. are sold. Yeah, but I didn't publish that one. I just wrote that one. Um <laughs> So, you know, like the Bob Burgers cookbook. Oh, okay. That's amazing. Book. Yeah. So I was able to go to the Fox people and go to the, the producers in Bento Box and say, hey, you've got this great show. It seems like a cookbook would be a natural extension for, for it. it. And then yeah. we, we published that. Um, I've done books, you know, with, with Skeletor and um, a bunch of movie tie-ins. So it's, it's fun still being able to do that. But now I'm not selling, really. I'm buying. So anyway, I'm still in the mix on all that. Yeah. How do, um, how does that occur to you? I'm curious. Like what, when you're watching a thing or, you know, you're like, hmm, I think this would be a good fit. Um, hmm. Is it just like inspiration just sort of hits you or is it just, it, I mean, how does that process happen? And then you, is there a, per, is there like a go-to person that you have or is it like a network of people that you have to like, I don't know, navigate? <laughs> um, well, well, as we've established, I'm a boy genius. Right. Yeah. So putting that to the side, um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> the in, in the what publishing I do. world's I, own Wesley Crusher. Exactly. Back up, Wesley. You know, I'm, I'm really lucky. I, I've been doing this long enough where I've got contacts at, at all of the studios and, and a bunch of the production companies, and um, they sometimes take my calls. So pretty good <laughs> i like that and they or, sometimes uh, take my call <laughs> sometimes yeah. when you when, when you got to when you got to raggedy and, and, and andy you said at this point you were one of the brand managers for them correct yeah yeah and so and so I, did they say hey we need a book why don't you give it a try or did you have to raise your hand and go this i think i can do this now. i have an idea for a book yeah yeah i raised my hand and said i think i can do this um and you know bless the editor who worked with me and thought it was a good idea. Um, you know, a lot of people think, I don't know how many people think, let's say a lot of people think that just because I'm in publishing, it, it's easier for me to get something published. Um, that's not. I can see where that would be a, a, you know, a, a thing that you'd think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not true. I mean, the number of acceptances, you know, compared to how many things are out there, I, I know under submission, um, it, it's, a relatively small amount i still have to prove this is a good idea for a book and here's how many copies i think can be sold and here's what the book is about and here's why this book should be out there here's why it's different than everything else here's why i'm the right person to write it um you know every time you have to prove yourself it's not like it's not like just because you know, you're on the publishing side of it you're like just oh yeah yeah, yeah you got it like you still got to yeah, go through the process like anybody else yeah, absolutely. And because I'm I'm still acquiring books and other things, I'm always on the other side of that as well. So I'll, I, you know, I I could get a manuscript written by someone in publishing, as well. And 
I won't necessarily be more inclined to publish it if I don't think it's a good idea or if I don't think it's right for our publishing house or, you know, there's a thousand different reasons um, to publish something or, or to not publish something. So I, I don't really have that much of an advantage to it. I think the one advantage I did have at that particular moment was I had an idea for a book that was right for the moment that it was coming out. Um, and the story I wrote was pretty good. And, I, you know, I was just kind of lucky to do it. But even if you have one success, that doesn't guarantee another success. It does not. No. <laughs> no. It's like, it's like music yeah. writers. But how many one hit wonders are there? Tons. Yeah. Before we, before we leave that first book, I want to know the day that it came out. Did you go to the bookstore on the day it came out? Get one of your like? Did you did you, did your friends go out and like? Was there was there a moment that here it is? I'm here. I'm in the bookstore. Here's me. Or had you been in the business long enough that you didn't care? Because I can't imagine. I mean, it, like like it's it, it's never like that for me with a film, but a film is a little bit different because it's such a you know there are seventy people and you've usually premiered it and people have seen it by the time it's available to the general public. Blah blah blah. Was it like what was it like for you on that first day? The first day it came out, was there was there a yippee moment that you didn't let anyone see? It was, um, I didn't yippee. I just, I really, the thing about getting a book is you can you can hold it and you can feel it and you can smell yeah. it. Um, it's, it's a complete experience. And I, I think I was at my desk and someone had just come by and they're like, oh, we, you know, the copies came in and gave me the copy of the book. And I, I just stared at it. Because I couldn't believe that I had gotten to the point in my life where I was looking at something that I had done that when I was a kid, I looked at with such admiration and respect. And I have to admit that doesn't change. You know, every time I get a new book in the mail, um, you know, whether it's, it's one copy of, you know, a really early advance or a box of the 10 copies that I get it's an it's an event you know i just i just sort of take a moment and sort of mentally try to recalibrate and and remind myself how incredibly incredibly cool that is um and how grateful i am for everyone in the process because it's more than just you know one or two people involved in writing a book it's, it really is a team effort and you know again because i'm also on the other side of publishing i know how much hard work goes in on that side into it. yeah so yep. It's it's always a little overwhelming, you know. Just to see the the photo of a book that I'm doing show up online, that's really cool to me. I bet, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. That's got to be such a cool feeling. Yeah. Like, oh look, yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, and then then every once in a while, like you know, you stack up all the books together and you just sort of look at it and you're like, oh, look, I did that. That's, that's really really cool. <laughs> and it's and the thing is, I mean, books they're eternal. You know, that's the thing about I like about movies in the same way. Like they're it's it's done it's 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 always going to exist in this form you know yeah. and it and that will continue beyond you like once you're you know whatever you believe like in that raggedy andy book gone. is lingering there's a there's <laughs> a know? dirty there, there's a dirty ripped up sticky copy of that in some preschool somewhere that is some kid's yeah. favorite book yeah I and mean, that's 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 i try i have a, a a sort of philosophy where i try to keep an ongoing dialogue with 16 year old me mm-hmm. um and just make sure that he'd be cool with what I'm choosing, what I'm doing, what I like, like, like there's always a bit of me that is, that is, that is giving him his due. And I, mm-hmm. I hope that there's a part of you that remembers that kid in the, in the library 
and it sort of like has a, a a little dialogue with him going hey hey kid guess what guess you like this is gonna be you like there's like i don't know sort of a sort of a the kid terminator 2 thing that i have going on with myself that i assume everybody has um, <laughs> um yeah, all the that, time yeah it doesn't yeah, make any it sense I, like i said i drink no, um so no it does make sense you know when i when i wrote the skeletor book um I think I may have even put this in the acknowledgement. It was just sort of a note to 12-year-old me sitting oh. in front of the TV watching, watching He-Man. Oh, yeah. It's like, you just, you just keep doing that. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. because we are a Star Trek podcast, because when I go to robperlman.com slash bio, there's a picture of you. Is that on the walk? Um uh, down uh, downtown in New York, right? That's uh, that's no, that's on that's uh, on the yeah, rooftop of my building in Manhattan. That's your building, okay? Yeah. All right. So yeah. I have you. There's New York in the background, and you're wearing uh, a Star Trek shirt. So yeah. what is your as as we coalesce these two things to culminate in uh, in talking about Body by Starfleet, which you can get, I assume on Amazon. I assume you can get at bookstores. I can assume right now it came out on the third of December. Um, we'll mention it again at the end, but right now here at the midway point, where where can everybody get it? And we'll say it one more time at the end. Uh, it's available honestly wherever books are sold. Um, I always encourage yeah. people to try to shop their local independent bookstores. Um, but if you can't get there, then, you know, there's Barnes & Noble and Amazon or ReaderLink, you know, all those places. Yeah, we're going to talk about that at the very end. Guys, it's it's hilarious. It's it also, is a, it's, it is, it's a ton it of fun. It's my favorite um, fitness guide for sure. Like, and I. And, and um, as, a Christmas, as a Christmas gift? Oh, as it's a, a great like, Christmas gift. As a Christmas gift? gift? For a Trekkie? Totally. And like, I'm, I'm and going to be buying and, one tonight. Yeah. And without, <laughs> I think, um the I, f- I feel like if you get like a fitness book for somebody sort of normally um that can kind of go the wrong way that can kind of maybe hurt somebody's feelings yeah. like are you trying to sound yeah. fat um uh-huh. but i think with this because it's so fun like that part's not there right it's just like oh check it out it's start body by stuff what like so they don't have that part where you feel like oh you're saying i'm a fatty it's like oh you're plus, saying i'm a plus i have a couple of odo buckets right here in the house and i didn't know what to do <laughs> right um so so how did what what is your your intro to star trek uh what like were you an original person series guy were you you jumping at next gen where when did you jump onto star trek because clearly it's something that is important to you yeah you know i i i've been lucky in that i've never been in a world where star trek didn't exist um and it especially didn't exist in reruns on the weekends and after school so it was always sort of in the background or in the you know in the living room of our house so even though at some point when I did finally put a book down, I didn't quite understand what was going on, but you know, the, the space battles and the adventure and of course, Mr. Spock's ears. And mm-hmm. um, I was always a huge fan of the dramatic lighting. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I always love how they did the lights um, right on the eyes. Right. You know? You oh yeah. Great. I love great. that shit. And, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, so it was always there and it was always, um, sort of ringing in the back of my head, even if it, even if I wasn't particularly paying attention to it. Um, you know, full disclosure, I, I was a kid in the 70s, so there was that big movie franchise that came out mm-hmm. that was an epic event. Um, and I bought all the toys, and I was huge into it, and honestly, I still am. Um, but Star Trek was always different for me because it was in my house, 
and it was a much more accessible thing. And it was the kind of show where my parents would watch it and my grandparents would watch it. Um, my parents and my grandparents really didn't care that much about the movie stuff that was going on with all the lightsabers. Um, mm-hmm. But this was you can say Star Wars. We, it's okay. We, <laughs> I've already got, he loves. I've, Star I've already Wars. got my tickets for Rise of Skywalker. It's okay. It's it's okay to love okay, both. Good. <laughs> it is. I know. I hate when people say you have to like pick one. You don't have to pick one. There's enough love for you everybody. You don't have to pick one. You don't have to pick one. I I accidentally said the word on stage once, and I got like ooh, and I was like, you oh, know what, wow. guys, we're all grown ups. It's you Come can on. like yeah. things. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, all wars was great, but Star Trek was it was more personal and more intimate and you know, however many episodes there were, it was, it was just a different experience. Um, and then when next gen came on, honestly, I would sort of dip in and out of it because I was in school or I was, you know, doing other stuff, but it was always there. Um, I, I was fortunate where I had some really nerdy friends who were always into Star Trek or, or Star Wars in one way or another. So for years and years, it was always, it was always there. And when I started going to Comic-Con, um, I started getting a little bit more into it. And of course, you know, I went to see all the movies, you know, as soon as they came out. Um, and then I just, I had the idea for fun with Kirk and Spock. And that was sort of really the launching pad for my Star Trek writing career. I love that your first one was a TOS book that, oh, that yeah. pleases me. Because yeah. TOS is my favorite. Like you in the seventies, you know, growing up, like uh-huh. that's, I, that's I was watching TOS with my dad. Like that's what was happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel you, and it, and it's and it is. It's 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 different. Like I love Star Wars, but like it didn't always have kind it's of a, as much to say. If you know yeah. what I mean, it was more of a romp of fun, whereas yeah. Star Trek was you know a little bit more of a thinker, which uh-huh. I, I dug more. So yeah, I, which I appreciated. And and with each watching over the however many years, I'm oh I'm still finding th- new things. Oh, absolutely. You know, which is, which is great. Like, how many how, shows could you, you say that about? Yeah. Uh, do would you say that original series is still your favorite of all? If you were to choose between any one of the the seventeen different kinds of Star Trek there are now, is original series still your favorite? God, that's hard to say. I mean, it's like picking your favorite kids, but I don't have kids. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think TOS is probably closest to my heart. Um, because I do so closely associate it with, you know, just childhood memories in my family. Yeah, he knows what's up. Sorry, Justin. It's okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Niner. <laughs> I'm a huge DS9 fan, I have to admit. I like to give him no shit. No judgment. It's all, okay. good. it's all good. Um, well, you can I give him it's, shit. It's, it's okay, Rob. <laughs> it's, it's funny because you, you talk about watching with your dad. I mean, I'm in this place where I have a a middle schooler who is who who is – much like the Rob that you're describing um, uh, and the, the middle school Rob sounds very much like my, my eldest son. And for him, like the Star Trek watching, I mean, Star Trek is just ubiquitous at this point, right? It's there's, there's, there's in, it's infinite. It's just, there's, there's infinite Star Trek and there's, there's infinite v- version of Star Trek where, you know, you could watch discovery and it's whoops, zam, bam. You could watch pretty much get star Wars out of the JJ Abrams, Star Trek. You have, you can go, you know, slightly camp. You can go, you know, very serious. You can go any number of things. But the thing that I found really interesting is he's always had access to Netflix mm. and he'd occasionally oh, watch one. But mm. now that I don't care about my DVDs anymore, I kind of just, 
soft gifted him. I said, well, here, here's, here's all my Star Trek DVDs. We found an old and ancient portable DVD player. And instead of watching in HD, all of next gen on the big screen that we have, he's watching the DVDs of Star Trek, the next generation in his room on a portable DVD player. And he's just working That's his way through awesome. the show. Um, I like this kid. And, yeah, I do. I, I'm a, I, he's I'm a fan a too. Like you. I could see that. Um, <laughs> but what's 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 neat about it is that is that you know, I grew up again same same I, same era. I probably I, I really checked into Star Trek. I was watching it every day after school, but it wasn't my favorite thing in the world. I really checked in when Next Gen started. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea that there's a group, there's a, a whole generation, not generation, growing up <laughs> where there is. Like there's not just 77 episodes or that like, like you there's 170, uh, 78 episodes of Voyager, which is nobody's favorite Star Trek. Although right. it's somebody's yeah. favorite Star Trek. It is though. Yeah. And it's weird to yeah. be. Yeah. And, 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 and when you, if you finish that show or tire of that show, there's this one. And then there's that one. There's this one. It's sort of, mm-hmm. it's such an overwhelming thing, but because none of it until very recently has been terribly serialized, I guess DS9 being the exception, you really can just check in and out. It's just this cornucopia. It's this, it's this golden corral buffet of, <laughs> of, yeah. of try a little bit of this and that. And, and you can just watch kind of forever, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. Where, how do you find the space between, because in everything that I've seen you've written about Star Trek, it, it walks this very fine line between loving a thing and also, you know, as, as our British neighbors say, taking the piss out of it. Um, <laughs> and you walk, you walk the line yeah. very, very well um, between the two because you are clearly making fun of Star Trek. And yet it seems more like a ribbing at a bachelor party than a roast. Where you're, yeah, where you're I, kind of going, ha ha! But there's so much love behind it. Everyone accepts as being as okay. How how do you walk that line? And are there points where you're like, now I'm being too maudlin, or on the other side of the of the tracks, now I'm now I'm being a little too little too stark, a little too harsh with it. Is it is that a difficult line to walk? Well, I will say I don't think I'm ever making fun of it. I'm I always think I'm having fun with it, and I think there's a difference there. Absolutely. Um, you know, everything I do with any of my books, but especially, especially Star Trek, it's really coming from a place of complete love and complete respect for it. So I'm never um, making fun of, you know, the, the, the actors or the intent behind any of the characters or any of the storylines. I'm, I'm, I'm taking those things, at least I'm trying to at least, and looking at them from a slightly different angle. you know, I thought and, and, and still do think one of the things that made and makes Star Trek so successful are those, you know, in between the the action scenes and the battles and the very serious conversations about metaphorical issues that we're all facing are those brief moments of humor. Oh, yeah. That, that are sort of punctuated throughout that really it, it, it humanizes regardless of what alien species they are. Um, but it, it sort of gives the audience pause to sort of recalibrate a little bit and think about what's going on. And, you know, it just, it, it makes it a little bit more, a little bit more valid and a little bit more considered. Um, yeah. So those are the, those are the moments that I like to focus on. Um, and, and I think at least I, I try to have that come through with everything. Oh, I but feel like it point, does, at least in my yeah. reading oh, of you. <laughs> 
I think you hit it. I mean, yeah, you know, there, there is, you know, writing is a very solitary experience. So you're sitting in a room for hours or days or, or weeks, you know, working on a manuscript. I think for fun with Kirk and Spock, I I think there are 40 stories in that, but I think I wrote about 200 or so. Oh, wow. Um, So, you know, you just keep whittling down and whittling down. And some of them are just jokes that only I thought were funny. Um, Some of them were (laughs) just, you know, it was just too much of a stretch. And some of them, to your point, I just pushed it too far. And it didn't, it didn't make sense. It wasn't. It wasn't fun loving anymore. It was maybe a little. It wasn't. Yeah. It it was a little acerbic, maybe. Um, Yeah. I, I can be a little sarcastic when I want to, and maybe it was just a little bit too sarcastic. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between a character saying something sar- sarcastic in a fun way rather than me commenting sarcastically on a character. Especially in so writing, was, like in words, like, cause there's, it's, it's oh, harder yeah. to convey tone. Like, but I think, you know, from yeah. my reading of Body by Starfleet, like, I think you, um, you do a pretty good job of of convey like there's a a very consistent tone throughout like that's oh, yeah. a little bit Star Trek like and that you know there's a serious thing that you're talking about which is you know uh-huh. keeping yourself healthy and um you know exercising and that sort of stuff which it, it means pretty dry shit like let's just say it it is like who's it, like I mean there are some people who are really into working out but like most people are like ugh. Um, exactly. You don't usually and, meet and the I, I'm I'm a big fan of this workout book. Like that's not, right. That's not, where you, <laughs> that's not yeah. it's not common. Um, yeah. But this and it, adds honestly, that little element of fun that makes it more you know bearable. You, you've got it. You've got it. <laughs> I, I wrote this book for people who don't like to work out, which is, I think is the majority of people. Um, it, and it, it's what I faced. You know, when I started working out too, it was it was such a slog. I just I hated it. But the minute it could be at all enjoyable. I felt more motivated to do it. And I thought if I could help other people be a little bit more, more motivated. And, you know, the book is not about, it's not making fun of Star Trek exercises. It's having fun with Star Trek exercises. Oh, it totally. It's, I felt, yeah, there was no joke, so to speak, uh, that I read in it that made me go, dude. Um, And I love Star Trek. Like, you know, Justin will tell you, um, like typically, like if he starts going on, I'll be like, "Why you got to be hating? You're such a hater!" Like just when he has, you know, maybe some constructive criticism <laughs> about Star Trek uh, Voyager, <laughs> which you're absolutely except for Voyager, which is off limits because I mean that's just a crap show. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, so, so here's 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 what's interesting is that is is that there's you know we have you know especially in our first year of doing the show we're coming into nine years of doing the show and in our first year. The idea was we were going to be hypersexualized, which we still are sometimes, and 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 almost X-rated, which occasionally we still are, um, and and part of that was was having fun with and or making fun of what we were talking about all the time, which was Star Trek. We would talk about stuff, but then we would just you know we'd have to throw in the jokes, and the jokes occasionally uh-huh. would get us into trouble, but we would find, especially <laughs> when we did, especially when we we could get away with almost anything that we said, whether it was, you know, we want to F this person or we think this person should die or the, like the worst of the worst things that you might think that you couldn't say. And we would generally be able to get away from, get away with it because at the core, and I think people get this with you and what you write, you can tell the second you're writing, talking to you, I can also tell this, you come from a place of love. You love it. You maybe love it more than the people even who are reading it and they can tell. <laughs> so they give you a pass a little bit for like, you know, if you were coming at it like, you know, 
you know, oh, you, hey, you Star Trek nerds, isn't it stupid what your show's all like? Like, that's not, that's not ever going to fly. But when oh, you're yeah. like, hey, I'm one of yeah. you, the reason I can make these jokes, the reason these jokes are so funny and so in is because I've, I've noticed how Riker sits on chairs because <laughs> I watch so much Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah. And it's iconic yeah. and, if you and, watch it. Like this, it's like it. It's like sharing inside jokes with other Trekkies. That's what a lot absolutely. of this felt like. Like was like yeah. I like especially I was like just to give an example to people who um you know just get you to get out there and buy it. Uh, the the Riker one that he just referenced. I I love that. Uh, it references how he always sits on a chair because we all know how Riker sits on a chair. Um, but I also really loved how. In the in the first picture, you know, kind of showing the start of the exercise, he has no beard, and then in the second yeah. picture, he has a beard. Oh, and then so the glad bottom, you got that. It, so says, got that. it says contemplate growing a beard. I was like, that's uh-huh. amazing. <laughs> that yeah. just yeah. made me chuckle. Uh, Alexia, do you want to do you want to pose your captain's question at this point? Because I think this I, is a good I would like I wanna, to. I would. I so, and this honestly comes from a place of I love Kirk more than just about anything, and uh-huh. I noticed there were no captains except for maybe kind of captain Giorgio, but it was like evil cat those by the way hysterical the the mirror universe ones <laughs> oh my god dude I, I loved them um but was that uh a ch- was there a reason behind that was a choice you made because i felt like to me and this is, again because i love kirk so much i was like it's a travesty he doesn't have a kirk exercise how does he not have a Kirk exercise where he starts with his shirt off and ends with it like ripped up? Come on, man. Um, but then I, I, but then I also noticed there were no other captains either. Uh, so was that like a decision? Just that Picard you guys pulling made? his tunic down over and over again. There is pu- tunic pull downs, but it's not Picard, um, which is That's also a Picard, really yeah. great um, name for an exercise for a Starfleet. Thank um, you. Exercise yeah. book. Uh, so, was there a reason behind that, or it just kind of happened that way, or did you just not want to leave anybody out? Like, what was the genesis of that decision? Yeah, I, I tried to. I think there's there's at least allusions to all of the series in the book, um, and I wanted to make it as egalitarian as possible. I didn't want to necessarily favor one series over the other, and I thought. If we start including the captains, it may get a little touchy, and, okay. and people may start focusing on one thing or the or the other thing, or they might get yeah, upset just, more because we love the captains a little bit more than everybody else, don't we? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I wanted to, I wanted the the majority of the people to either be completely new inventions or you know the the number number twos and below. Right. So, um, so it's. Are there on the cutting room floor, so to speak, um, maneuvers for all the captains? Uh, exercise for the captains? That yeah, like did you come up with them? <laughs> you don't have to say what they are, but 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 just yeah, did like, they happen? Is, is there is there a notebook <laughs> yeah. somewhere? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a there's a file on my computer. Ah, uh, stuff that just could not. Yeah, yeah. I would I would love to read yeah. that. <laughs> and we have it here. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, I would so, also like to ask, um, mm-hmm. in going through it. Um, there, it's kind of a, a sort of a touchy subject, I suppose. Um, we both have really um, enjoyed Discovery, uh, and it seems you know clear from this book that that you are also on board with it. Um, but there are some uh, Trek fans that are not. Was there ever a discussion over whether or not to include it to not alienate those people, or was it like, listen, it's start, it's part of Star Trek, and it's good, and maybe it'll make them realize that it's good. Cause like, there's definitely stuff that's referenced that if you haven't watched discovery, you'll have no idea what that mycelial network is or a tardigrade. 
Um, so how, how did that decision, was that just a part about being in, inclusive of all the, the series? Was that how that came down or? Um, you know, I wanted to be inclusive of all the series. I think I was probably exercising a little bit of authorial privilege <laughs> on it. Um, you know, if people don't like discovery, that's totally up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they can find enough in the book that they, that they do like, do like they yeah. at least understand the references enough where that exercise isn't going to turn them off. Oh yeah. No, I feel like the, the references were certainly just more for fun. If you watch, if you know the show, nothing that yeah. would make the exercise you know, sort of undoable mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, I hope that it helps more people get into discovery. Cause it, I know it, so it was harsh. We had kind of trouble um, at the beginning, with mm-hmm. some things, but it's, it's hit its stride uh, and it's become really good. So I yeah, do hope it, it, it's not, it's nothing's perfect. Right. Um, and nothing will ever be perfect, but you know, I think, I think people need to give it a shot. I do too. I'm with you, man. Um, yeah. The other question I had, um, and I bet there's probably tons on the cutting room floor as well for this. What, um, <laughs> what was the decision? Because at the very back for people who uh, do not have the book yet, another reason to go get it. Uh, he had, there's a section on uh, alien non-humanoid uh, exercises yeah. that yeah. Uh, chuckled the hell out of me. Uh, did you, was that always going to be in there? How did you decide which, uh, like, did you just have like a mountain of this alien or that alien, and then you just had to pare it down to what would be most recognizable? How did that decision process go? How did it get into the book? Yeah, that um, that was perhaps my favorite part of the initial proposal that I did. I can um, see that. <laughs> you know, the, the book is broken down into into sections. So there's like stretches and warm ups, and then conditioning, and then working on your core and upper body and lower body. And I, I had originally thought, well, why don't we put in exercises for non-humanoid and non-corporeal beings throughout um, because you know infinite diversity and infinite combination right this book should be for everybody mm-hmm. um, and you know as we were sort of laying out the book you know we were playing around with the pacing and, and where things would go and you know my editor um, Jordana really it, you know every writer has a really good editor or every good writer has a good editor I should say um, lots of writers don't have good editors and their the books are terrible. Um, but, you know, she really brought out the point, like if we, if we scatter these throughout, it, it feels more of a non-serious, non-real exercise book um, because you're going from, you know, Gorn lift to horse to shrugs and what's connecting them. And it, it just sort of stops the reader short a little bit. Sure, because um, there's, this one's old. obviously a joke exercise because you're not a horda, and exactly. the other one is something you can actually or do. Or are you? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. 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 DNA test. Um, <laughs> so we decided to, to put it at the back. It's sort of like a little coda just, just to remind people that we're all having fun with it. You know, the, it was really, really important to me that people understand that these are completely real exercises that people can do in a gym, but really in their home with little to no equipment. And the book is yeah, not about being, yeah, the book is not about being the skinniest or the, or the strongest or the fastest. It's just about making some small positive steps and having fun along the way. And, you know, realizing that it is itic and that you should be, feel good about your body. Um, you know, and if you can get a little bit more energy by, you know, 
walking up the stairs instead of taking the elevator all the time, then then do it. You know, go at your own pace. And some of the exercises have different stages, you know, for beginners and more experienced people. But, you know, just to get people up and moving and get their heartbeat a little go. Yeah, like I got to say, I mean, I I um I get uh, I'm sure this, most people will know what this reference. I get Lifetime magazine. Um, and yeah. so I'm really familiar with seeing exercise like at every obviously every magazine for every month there is exercise section. so like i'm familiar with a lot of exercise like this is a how-to this is what the pictures look like this is how it's broken down mm-hmm. in writing format um what i found fun about this was that you did in fact have that stuff that i'm sort of used to seeing where it's like well if it's too difficult at this stage like this is a way to make it easier this is a way to make it harder this is a way to make it even harder so it's just more accessible um yeah so i, I was so that was your decision not necessarily because i noticed you um you did work with um an actual like exercise the expert type person um yeah, how did I, that I, I worked, how, like was the worked, book first or that and then you went and found somebody how did that process go um, I was I was very fortunate in that the idea really um, really started coalescing while I was going to Chris Tutella's gym, um, okay. and then I, I put the proposal together and we sold it. And then I, I approached Chris to sort of help me um, really break down the mechanics of each exercise because he's the expert. I'm I'm not a certified fitness instructor by any right. of his imagination. Um, this guy knows what he's doing, so. Um, he was he was kind enough and, and worked with me to really break down step by step what those exercises were. Um, really, the exercises that he was teaching me how to do in, in okay. his gym. So you were already um, doing then, a lot of non gym equipment stuff because I did notice I thought that was yeah um, a boon to the book that it was very like there's some you know you can use a medicine ball or you can use you know mm-hmm. um, resistance bands but m- most of it is is just kind of you don't need any equipment or like a chair, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it was really important to me to make this as accessible to as many people as possible. And lots of people don't have access or, or at least easy access to a gym or a gym membership or weights or, you know, you know, those big exercise machines that people mm-hmm. keep in their living rooms and put clothes on. Um, right. Lots of people are just normal, ordinary people who just want to start doing something. Um, and the easiest way to start doing something is to use nothing. Agreed. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I, I was happy about that. Yeah. The book is Star Trek Body by Starfleet, a fitness guide. Uh, you can find it anywhere the books are sold. Um, uh, if Amazon is your go-to, you can get it by Sunday if you order on a Friday. Um, for only sixteen dollars, uh, hard hardcover. But if you can get into a bookstore, even if it's a big chain bookstore, keep them alive. If you can get into a local bookstore, even better. Um, uh, Rob Perlman has also written. I'm just going to go through really fast. Um, the number one Amazon bestseller, Bob Ross by the Numbers, which is a paint by numbers Bob Ross. I adulted mm-hmm. stickers for grownups. These are, I'm buying all of these. I know, right? For boys, which I'm going to touch <laughs> at the end. Bob Ross and the Peapod. The the Peapod. Uh, and Peapod the Squirrel, um, <clears throat> an iAdulted an calendar, Bob's Burger's Talking Burger button, um, <laughs> Search for Spock, a Star Trek book of exploration, a highly illogical parody, uh, TV USA and Atlas for Channel Surface, Rick and Morty Talking Pickle Rick, What Would Skeletor Do? Diabolical Ways to Master the Universe. Body by <laughs> Starfleet. I'm just going to go. I'm going to do a few more of these. Uh, 
on here. Fun with I'm Kirk and Spock, that. also going to be one that I buy. Um, yes. Alien Hissing Xenomorph, an illustrated book with sound. Um, uh, more I adulted, lots of I adulted here. Um, there's uh, why? Oh, there's there's the accompanying book that goes along with like the Dire Wolf from Game of Thrones. I see. Uh, um, Star Trek Red Shirts, Little Book of Doom. I want to Looks read that one amazing. so bad. <laughs> A thousand one TV shows you must watch before you die. Groundhog's Day Off. Movie night trivia. I'm buying all of these. I know. What have you done to me, Rob? I don't have this kind of money. (laughs) More Bob Ross. More Bob Ross. More adulted. Um, Spoiler alert. Bruce Willis is dead in 399. More endings for movies, TVs, books, and life. (laughs) Are you buying all of this? Your Christmas is paid for. Amazon will pay you half a penny on the dollar. (laughs) Everything I buy, you're going to get yourself a latte by the time I'm done. there's there's raggedy ann and andy um if you buy every single one of these uh rob is guaranteed to get a shirt at target um game thrones in memoriam um a pet pet this fucking puppy a touch and feel book for stressed out adults yeah that one's coming out next year (laughs) dude that's fucking awesome Um, nerd haiku Oh my gosh, guys! Listen, it, you spell this. It's it's Rob with two B's, uh, which when one B is just not enough. And then Pearlman, like a pearl man, like a pearl oyster pearl man. Pearl man, look this dude up. Oh my gosh, like look up oh, Body thanks. by Starfleet and just hit his name because there's so uh, I want so all much of these. stuff. I know. I'm like I can't man, afford all of these. These are these are going out as gift. I, I until this moment I didn't get all the way down to like the movie night trivia and the uh the spoilers book, which I'm absolutely getting for people. This is amazing. I left you a present. Thanks, Santa. Just a picture of a, of a guilty looking dog. <laughs> get this guy's books and especially get a body by Starfleet. But holy yeah, crap, I want all I, I want all your shit, dude. It's all really good. <laughs> it's all it's all really real. And there it is, ready to read. Raggedy Ann and Andy Leaf Dance. The um, one that started it all. This is uh, uh, sir, this is by Bobby Perlman. That's how that's 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 the difference. Oh, by Bobby. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I think first. I think there's some of I think it's somewhat appropriate that that one goes to Bobby. Um, <laughs> I do too. Because that's your yeah. that's your that's your that's your gift to little you. Indeed. Um, uh, this is this has been an amazing experience, Rob. I please come on the show every time you ever do anything Star Trek. Oh yes, um, please. Because we I'd love talk it. To you you are delightful day, all day long. Um, <laughs> I just want to talk to you after Rise of Skywalker comes out and see what you thought. I know, right? Oh, After yeah, Picard, okay. can you believe that we are only six weeks till Picard comes out? I can't. I'm believe all a tingle. I can't believe it. I know, right? I oh, dude, did you? Were you me? Did you cry when you saw Riker and they had the little exchange on the bench in the preview, in the trailer? Twice, I cried twice. Right? Yeah, I feel yeah. you, man. It was like, oh, dude, come here. Just, just that look, and and you think about that moment encounter in Four Point when they meet, and it's so stilted, and it's so yes, I'm not good with children, her, huh? you know that that whole scene, yeah. and the idea of him like what got me in that moment, in the trailer was not the conversation, but the way he grabbed his hand, yes. the way you would, the way an old man would to his old man's son, yes, yeah, like yes. like that's what like killed that me, moment, the way the way a great grandfather grabs the hand of his son who is a grandfather. Oh, and no. just kind of cuddles up to it. It killed beautiful. me. Oh, it is. It's beautiful. Man, it's a genius. Yeah, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm goosing up now, right? Like, literally, there are bumps on my arms right now, just talking. <laughs> I know. Every time I try to describe it to somebody, I start tearing up like a, like a crazy person. Like, are you okay? <laughs> if there's anyone no, out there, okay. if there's one person, if there's one person out there who doesn't want to buy this this Body by Starfleet book, that's fine because I'm buying one. Um, <laughs> but really, um, this is this is like like Christmas is hard now, man. It sucks about Christmas time now and and Hanukkah and all this. Now. It used to be I could give DVDs. They're my favorite uh-huh. team. Check out this movie. Do this. Oh, this can't go do to. It yeah. No, it's not really viable. Um, and and people try and buy me novels, like real novels. And I'm like, oh, thank you. This is so good. Oh, this is such a good book. You should read it. Oh, thank you. I'll be sure to get to that. And I don't. The things got, that I like, get to. Children people... or whatever. It's like, I don't yeah. have time. What... <laughs> but right. when people give me stuff like spoiler alert or fun with Kirk and Spock, like, like or body by Starfleet, I'm gonna look through that book, and then that book's gonna end up on my coffee table for a little while, and I'm more likely to read that, or frankly, in my bathroom eventually. Um, <laughs> and it's gonna be, Bye. it's gonna, it's gonna be there forever. Yeah, and it's the I kind have, of thing I've, you can just kind of pick up and look at a few pages. Like you don't, it's not this thing where you just have to know what happens next, or it's like it's a total convoluted story that if two months passes and you go back yeah. to it, you're like, fuck, where was I? I don't remember what's yeah. happening. <laughs> like you, yeah, you won't yeah. have I that mean, problem. You know, the, the world is on fire and I just I really like being able to get stuff out there that makes people smile even for just a couple of seconds. Yes. That's that is that's, a you know that's a noble goal, my friend. <laughs> When 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 asked why I wanted to go into the theater, I said uh, I, I said name me anything that was important in Elizabethan England. Name me anything. You go Queen Elizabeth. Okay, put that aside. Tell me anything else, unless you're a history major. What happened then that is of any import? And nobody can say a single thing except William Shakespeare. Right. And yeah. I go and yeah. I go. That's that's what art means. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Is that yeah. when all is said and done, all that's left over is the art and uh and this is this is art sir this is uh absolutely it's more than just entertainment the fact that you are you're you're lighting a candle in the dark and letting everybody see just a little bit of um in a time where it's not always easy to uh thank you thank you and thank you for being on our on on our little show Um, thank you so much this was great i i will Um, not fire my publicist Oh, awesome. good. She, yes. For now, <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's a there's a sign off um, that we ask all of our guests, um, from you to Clint Howard to to William Cat, everybody who's come onto our show. We have asked them to say the same thing, and it is Alexia's signature sign off that she says at the end of every episode that she will not say um, at the I'm end because we're going to ask you to. <laughs> our show ends in this way. I say trek off, and Alexia says. Trek off, bitches. So I'm going to say trek <laughs> off. Could you give a trek off, bitches, to to the trek off family out there? Um, as we say goodbye to Rob Perlman, please go get Star Trek Body by Starfleet. Or this any of so his much books. Fun. They're all great. Like The, the guy um, is a genius. As we've already determined, a boy genius. And now he's a grown genius. genius. So, <laughs> but, uh, but my name is Justin. And my name is Alexia. And this has been Rob Perlman. Trek off. Trek off, bitches. Yes! <laughs>